Welcome to Plaster Negotiations, where none of the debates are legally binding. And here's your host, Mike Stotes. Hello and welcome to Plaster Negotiations, where none of the debates are legally binding. I'm your host, Mike Stotes. Hey, we're back. We're back. We're doing a yeah, do this thing as a monthly segment as, as the Dragon Wrangler, one of our uh, uh, participants this evening, is doing some wacky waving inflatable arm tube arms. So that's good. Yeah, get it, get it, get it, get it, get it. All right, we're also joined by the Matt Caleb McChesney, and it, you know we we both work for the um the Fisher Cats, so he's rocking the the Blue Jays hat today. Although I feel like it might be a little sacrilege going with the Foxborough beat background. I, I don't know, I don't know. It just seems Foxborough like- beat is mine and mine alone. Nobody can get mad about that if I'm not mad about it. Okay, all right. Well, he said it already. Uh, speaking of things we say, we're not that rusty, not that far removed. We're going to start off, as always, with our opening statements. Gents, two minutes on the clock. You go over, you're doing some of that nasty, nasty gypsum. I still haven't gotten rid of uh, gotten rid of that bottle yet. <laughs> so McChesney, McChesney wants to go over. So let's go ahead and start with him. Two minutes, it's rolling whenever you start yapping um yeah uh welcome back everybody it's been it's been a time of uh time of relaxation stepping back you know getting perspective uh it's been a long month but we're here we're back uh stokes if you don't mind i i told you about my project at the fisher cats i'd like to you know okay i get the thumbs up so me and hosier one famous ryan moore uh who couldn't make it tonight who's supposed to be uh we are Doing a Foxborough beat cast covering the Patriots and all things NFL and other sports from time to time. Um, that'll be a weekly podcast starting uh, sometime before the first preseason game against uh, the Houston Texans in a couple weeks. So very pumped for that. Uh, stay tuned. Uh, and as always, uh, Stokes and Jeremy, you're more than welcome on if we ever have uh, something we can include you in. So oh, may they play the Texans week one, so I can talk about it. I'm about to whoop that ass. <laughs> Preseason week one, yeah. Exactly. That's when we get our wins. Looking forward to it, and I'm looking forward to being back with uh, you two again. Uh, Anytime we're in the same room, we tend to kill it. So, Yep, indeed. It's a fun time. It's a fun time. And McChesney, uh, yeah, of course, you could bring up your your new show coming up. You're going to hear a familiar voice bringing people into stuff. Uh, even though that's not set in stone yet, I don't give a fuck. I'm going to do the opening PA for it, so it's going to be great. <laughs> um, it's going to be fun, and then you'll be like, "God damn it, get this guy off of the Google web waves." And speaking of the Google web waves, the Dragon Wrangler is our other Google web waves participant this evening. What you got for the people there, Jay? Yeah, you know, I don't have too much. Um, you know, for me, I just find it interesting. So there's a new show out on Netflix called Quarterbacks, and Stotes and I have talked about this a good bit. But I like saw it. NFL quarterbacks are exactly who you think they are. So like Brittany Mahomes, just horrible human being. Patrick Mahomes, just this really weird Kermit sounding dude who like talks way too much shit when he doesn't really do a whole lot. And then Kirk Cousins is really where I want to go with this. Oh boy. Have we been right about Kirk Cousins from the start? So I just want to shout out the entire plastered crew on how great and accurate a portrayal we've given of Kirk Cousins for two full seasons on this show. He is everything you think he is and more. You like that? Yeah, no, he doesn't, but that's okay because it's past his bedtime right now because it's 8.45 p.m. Eastern time and he's in Central. So, yeah. 
Yeah, he is well past asleep at this point. Yeah, we're coming back to quarterback in the rebuttal period. That's for damn sure. Um, opening statement, coming back to it. Um, really, I just want to say, hey, thanks for sticking around with us, um, you know, through all the transitions and stuff. Um, moving over to uh, the Big Zoe and El Cabra page, uh, giving those guys a lot of love too, giving uh, uh, Jeremy uh, Benner and Alonzo and my show Sports Off Broad Street a lot of love, and soon enough uh, the Foxborough Beat cast uh, a lot of love too. So we really appreciate you guys sticking with us. Uh, we know we haven't been that consistent or anything like that. Um, but, you know, it's been – it got to the point for – uh, well, me in particular, where um, it was really starting to affect my day-to-day and mental health doing this show all the time. Um, so that that's really why we took a step back. It wasn't anybody really. It's just one of those things like, okay, we need to like put this back into perspective. That and Stokes was ready to kill me after every episode. Important Is that Banner? Yeah. Did Benner show up? Where is he? At? I, oh my God! I, there he is. It's uh, oh geez, but uh, but yeah, that that's why we did it. Um, and it, yeah, I mean these guys are great, so we decided to move it to a a monthly thing after a little bit of a hiatus. Uh, so that that's really why we did it. Um, and everything's good. I will say that everything has. I mean, shit. The past month has everything has like literally turned around in my life for the better. It is awesome now. Um, so you know, we're all good. We're back. We're having fun. Um, I'm drinking uh, some great, great Stark Brewing Company pumpkin ale, and yes, we are recording on July 29th. Um, there we go. They do it year round. It's fantastic. That was a that was a fantastic 21st birthday gift from you. Mm. Well, uh, no, this is different than the stuff you got. Oh, this is, is it? Okay. This is a beer, uh, actually, uh, right down the road from uh, Fisher Cat Stadium. So, but oh, really? I, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so. that's a good one. They also have the worst beer ever made in the history of alcohol. Stokes and I couldn't finish one glass between us, but um, yeah. you know, they you, know, you take the highs and the lows. You do, you do, you do. And you know, I guess we've entered into the rebuttal period. Um, but uh, yeah, McChesney, we'll have to go to Stark Brewing one day. It's literally a mile from the stadium. But um, yeah, boys, let's talk about quarterback. Um, how, wait, before we get there, I got through the whole series. How far did you guys get? I finished probably up. the second day that I watched I'm, it. I binged it. Just... Okay, yeah, I'm, so I'm you're through done. episode six. Marcus Mariota just left the team for uh, you know an injury reason, um, which is because his pride got hurt because Desmond Ritter's better. So, no, actually, it was surgery. <laughs> I mean, it's not that big of a need, spoiler. You know, right then, when all of a sudden, yeah, his all of a sudden not starting now, my knee needs to get fixed. Whatever, you know. But that's where hey. I'm at right now. So I have two episodes to go, or one episode to go, two episodes to go, one of the two. two. Yeah, it's two. And now yeah, get I mean, ready for the Mahomes content because oh, we all know how the Vikings uh, season ended. Can't wait. Yeah, but there is another surprise Kirk moment for you. Uh, so I guess with all that in mind, without trying to get too far into the spoilers, and obviously, you know, uh, Cousins and Mahomes are with their same team. Mariota starts with Atlanta the last season, ends up getting signed by the Eagles, and then, you know, the USFL surely is upcoming. But <laughs> uh, what do we, you know, what do we think? Thoughts on the series other than, um, wow, like, Jay nailed it. Brittany Mahomes is exactly like you think she is. 
who's apparently yeah. an owner of the Kansas City soccer team and the USWL, uh, which still yep. I'll never go to one of their games now. I know I had that on my bucket list before. Well, now you have uh, a team to root against. <laughs> this is true. Everybody needs an enemy as much as everybody needs a hero. You know. Um, my th- my thoughts with that series. Um, mm-hmm. heading into see, I think the series was very well put together. Uh, shout out to Omaha Productions and Peyton Manning. They really killed that series. Way way more interesting than I thought it was going to be. Um, I just think it's deeply unfortunate that a lot of these quarterbacks just have no interest in doing it. Um, you know, you see Jalen Hurts decline twice. Uh, Dak Prescott says he's not doing it. Uh, he's Sam a Howell. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Sam Howell says, I don't want to do it. Somebody's got to throw interceptions. <laughs> uh, Lamar Jackson says he doesn't want to do it. it. There's a long list of guys. And I'm really in fear that like uh, they, they were, they're not going to have a season two unless we're just going to talk about, oh, well, here's a thing on the uh, Texans QB three uh, enter in. David Blau or whatever, whoever. Hang on, sir. Our QB three is our QB one. So technically you're not wrong. So I think it's, that's really deeply unfortunate. Uh, I thought that season one went over so well that a lot of guys would want to do it. Um, But no, I thought it was really well put together. I hope that a season two can happen with some guys that are worth watching. Um, But we'll see. I I think it's going to hopefully it, the season two quarterback goes over well better than the uh, HBO's hard knocks this year, as they've really upended that due to Aaron Rodgers being like, no. And (laughs) (laughs) it did with to anything fun. No. Uh, So I'm sorry. Can we film it at my darkness retreat? No. Then there's your answer. How much ayahuasca are you paying me? (laughs) Well, I did change it to a point where like all the iconic moments of like players coming into the locker room being like, oh, uh, sorry, this is a tough decision, but we're going to have to cut you. They've totally cut that from the series because it's inhumane, despite doing it for about a decade now. But that also that also brought the best moment in the history of sports television, other than maybe Cromartie not being able to remember all nine of his kids names. (laughs) But the one where they're doing it with the Colts and uh, what fucking cornerback was it? I don't even remember. But they cut the corner. They're trading the cornerback to uh, – or no, it was when they were in Miami. They're trading him to Indy. And he's like, they're like, all right, so are you getting traded? And, uh, you know, is there, is there any questions for us? Is there anything you want to know? And he goes, I got to call my grandma. And they're like, no, like you can, you can call your grandma. That's okay. But, like, you know, before you go to do that, is there anything else you need? And he's like, man – I got to go call my grandma. They're like, all right, well, good luck calling your grandma and good luck in Indy. Um, I guess you don't have any questions. So uh, see you, man. Cam, Cam, I'm going to Indy. Where's that? (laughs) Indiana. Have I got any cousins out in the the area of Fort Bend? (laughs) (laughs) That's kind of an instance where you kind of hope not. Hi, Cade. How's it going? So, um yeah yeah so in that series in in the quarterback series because it is an excellent watch all right if you haven't watched it shut up that's like what all we do while you're working from home just go ahead and put that bad boy on uh, cut out eight hours of your life hey you you get through monday how's that but which quarterback what are your thoughts about Mahomes as a quarterback and leader, like take the Kermit voice out of it. What do we think after watching that series about Mahomes? I'll let Jeremy go first. I took the blood ball last time. I uh, I think he's very much. Uh, how do I put this? 
You know how you go to the YMCA to play pickup 40-year-old basketball, and there's a dude there who, like, will miss 17 threes, and he'll hit the 18th, and I'll be like, buckets, buckets, I just shot buckets on you. I'm the best player ever to play. Buckets. And everybody on his team's like, you know, I kind of hate this guy, but he's still here, and so I guess we got to follow him. That's kind of what I feel like. Like, he's just kind of a baby back bitch uh, who – Side note, the fact that Max Crosby gets into his head every single time, because um, that's where I kind of left off, was like them playing the Raiders for a second time. And basically, he's like, once again, like, Max, that's too much, man. You can't do that, Max. Max is like, dude, fuck you. Um, that's kind of what I get from him, man. It's like he gets really low, and then he just fucking chirps, not even at people because he's a pussy. He, like, chirps running down the field 40 yards away from the closest defender because he's scared somebody might hit him. And so for me, like, he's not a guy I would ever want to follow for any reason, but I think that's kind of exemplified. I mean, you know, what do they say? It's like the five closest people you keep to you kind of are who you are or something with his brother and his wife. Like, it's not a surprise that he's an absolute piece of shit and a terrible leader and can't actually chirp somebody to their face. Has to do it running down the field. Wow. You were added much more into the brother than I did from just that series, or maybe you have extracurriculars there. I, I guess I don't really know all too much about him, so I can't really say. But, oh, my God, somebody take Brittany Mahomes' phone away for, like, two weeks. There's reality TV for you. <laughs> the Mac, what are your imagine? thoughts? Oh, my gosh. I think divorce would be in the future if that happened. Uh, McChesney, what do you think about uh, Mahomes as a leader? Um, So, on the field particularly, he is he's, without question, the best quarterback out there uh talent wise i mean there's there's nothing he can't do he is the sole reason that that chiefs team keeps winning um he's a fantastic player i do think um he wants to be more quiet than he feels like he has to be because he is you know a two-time mvp a two-time super bowl winner um he i i don't think he loves the spotlight he would much rather be somebody who you know plays fantastic you know, every Sunday and doesn't have to deal with everybody talking about him and his wife going on social media and Jackson Mahomes doing stupid stuff. I think he would just rather go out there and play, keep all the trash talk on the field as it is. Um, would Would you say that the whole reason he feels like he has to be in the spotlight is because of his wife? Because she's such a fucking so. attention whore she, that he feels like she, he has to be through her? She builds up. She builds up a hell of a reputation and a hell of a, you know, standard and... um and I'm sure that his uh, endorsers, you know, the sponsors who give him money are like, oh, hey, we appreciate it when you make these viral moments and you don't just make the fantastic play and go home like Aaron Rodgers would back in the day. Uh, but before he became a attention whore himself. Uh, but on the field, uh, <laughs> and he Mahomes went downhill is, so fast. Mahomes is second. Mahomes is second to none. His teammates love him. Um, his uh, chirping on the field. I mean, that is what it is. But I think that. His team really respects him because he is so goddamn talented and keeps them in every game. Uh, unfortunately, we didn't get to see a, a whole lot of teammate interaction there with Mahomes. I feel like you saw a lot of that more with Kirk. Um, I think that's because there's just not a lot of it, though. Like, I think that goes to my point, to like exactly what you just said. Like, they respect him because of his play, but I don't think anybody wants to hang out with the guy. Like, the other than Kelsey. I, yeah, other than Kelsey. And I think that's which, mostly because his life is so annoying too. and she's everywhere yeah. that. You know, you can't get to Pat without talking to Brittany. Yeah. Uh, but I, mean, I do want to shout out uh, Omaha Productions because I'm sure they had 
ton of content on Jackson Mahomes and they cut it because of all of his uh all of his issues. So shout out to them for not enabling this asshole. So just otherwise before, I thought I thought Mahomes himself was fine. His family is annoying, but we all knew that. So just before we move on, just because I don't know, I took a year off of the NFL. Like what what does Jackson Mahomes do? I I, I don't know. Uh, I don't follow He's uh, basically accused of sexual assault, which is uh, Patrick's wife came to his defense in uh, basically in the back room of a bar. He tried to sexually assault uh, the manager of the bar. And basically, Brittany was like, uh, it's not how it went down. That's actually not the case. And you don't need to be blaming him here. He's the victim. It's like, all right, sure. That's that's how it goes. With that off the field stuff on the field. Uh so there was one instance that I could think of. There's probably many more that I'm forgetting. But one that I could think of uh, recently, I think last year, it was the anniversary of uh, Sean Taylor's death. And they had put up a uh, memorial for him, painted the, uh, I think it might have been, it might have been two years ago. But the point still stands of uh, why uh, Jackson Mahomes gets a lot of hate. He's very, he's very obnoxious. Uh, so yeah. they have this 21 painted in the middle of FedEx, or not in the middle of FedEx field, but like off the side. And, you know, you see Mahomes in quarterback. He comes out, he daps up his family and walks out and they're behind that little rope. Well, in FedEx field, they have this little uh, monument-esque thing painted 21 in the field for Sean Taylor. And after the Chiefs won the game, uh, Jackson Mahomes goes and dances on it. Holy fuck. Yeah, okay. So that that on top of the things that Jeremy pointed out, uh, Jackson Mahomes uh, maybe didn't deserve reputation back then, but certainly does now. Wow. Okay. Now that I'm all caught up. Yeah. Holy crap. Gosh, when you put all of that together and going off of Dragon Wrangler's five closest people represent like your image. Um, or it's your actually, personality. Yeah. Or personality. It's incredible that Patrick Mahomes is as well grounded as he is just given those two. I mean, his father for the most part seems pretty, down you know as much as you can be to for he's rah rah but he's he's yeah. down to earth he's yeah. a hype guy you know because well, his father was a professional athlete too like his father played pro baseball so he gets what being in the spotlight's like he doesn't want to be in the spotlight anymore he's been there right right but just given all of that that he's that grounded is actually kind of a testament to him which I can just hear better right now, just being like, eh, no, Russell Wilson. And let's talk about that for no reason. Russell Wilson's <laughs> such a fucking dork. If he is on quarterback, I will lose my mind. Dude, he's so corny. He'd be more interesting than Mariota, to be fair. Not, not a high bar. He'd take you on a tour of like his seven bathrooms and you know, throw six touchdown passes. And... <laughs> yeah. yeah. So Russell okay. Wilson gives me the vibe before we move on. Russell Wilson gives yeah. me the vibe that like, he wants to be Dwayne the Rock Johnson so bad. He wants to have every little bit of that charisma, that Mr. Electrifying Man in sports entertainment, but he has absolutely none of the charisma. None of none it. Of it is it. manufactured trash. Yeah, fair. None of it. So if well, he's, he's Mahomes without the talent, dude, like it's the same way. Like he wants these dudes to follow him and he wants these dudes to like be behind him on his team, but he's just not the guy to do it. Russ could get away with be. it when he was younger, but he was quiet when he was younger. He didn't, he he didn't have the wife. He didn't have the wife. See, oh, the girlfriend is a huge thing in in uh, pop culture. I mean, she used to be with the, the rapper Future, who is yeah, also a kid of Future. Yeah, kids, uh, I think. But they should too. Yeah, you might be right. But yeah, he just there's none of the charisma there. I think it's just too artificial. It's not really who he is. You can't do the uh, the Derek Carr thing, but also be rah rah. 
it's very it's very seldom that the you know the Christian conservative type can be rah-rah like that. And that's what we saw with Kirk Cousins, who kind of just comes out of his shell every now and again. It's absolutely hilarious. It's fantastic. Russell Wilson can't do that. It's too artificial. It yeah, it does feel forced. So uh but uh, last thing, and we'll move on to the next segment after this. Three quarterbacks you would love to see on season two of quarterback. I'll go ahead and start since I threw this one out. I would love to see, uh, unfortunately, Trevor Lawrence, uh, just because Jacksonville is kind of a unique story. I would love to see Jordan Love, uh, just because there's a lot of pressure on him. And then, fuck it, come back. We're doing Kirk Cousins, baby. <laughs> Kirk Cousins season two. I don't I, think his I, wife would like that too much. <laughs> no, no, but um, she'll she'll fucking live. Because uh, and obviously I'm Packers fan and owner, but goddamn, I love me some fucking Kirk Cousins. So, <laughs> oh man, the Mac. Who are your three quarterbacks you would love to see in season two of quarterback? So my first two aren't going to be a shock. Mac Jones, number one. Lots of pressure. He's my quarterback. Uh, the, the season three is going to be huge for him, unironically, not just for me. Uh, it's a huge season. They got to decide if they want to pick up that fourth year or the fifth year option for him next year. He needs to have a big bounce back here, and he'd be an interesting watch, uh, especially if we could like get some insight into like the disrespectful trash talk that Calais Campbell's talking about. Um, number two, Jimmy Garoppolo. Honestly, <laughs> you know he's having fun living it up in Vegas. Shocker. Uh, but he'll <laughs> never do it because he is so private. He is, you don't hear a peep out of him until September and then he gets hurt and then you never see him again. Um, And then number three, I would like to see Joe Burrow. I think Joe Burrow Mm. would be a fun season uh, with this, that charisma he's got. It's very natural. He is a very naturally confident person. It's, it's not ego. It's just, it's pure confidence. It's almost Brady. Like, um, and I would love to see him on season two. That that was going to be my third quarterback, but that was like, no, nah, I need more cousins, baby. Dragon Wrangler, here are your three. Uh, I do also want to see more cousins, but I'm going to go a different route here and go with quarterbacks that have stuff to prove that haven't yet proven themselves. So um, I got to go with Anthony Richardson, I think would be entertaining. I got to go with uh, the quarterback that lit up a joint in the fan-controlled football league and then got kicked out of the league the next day. And I got to go with Paxton Lynch, my boy. I think watching Paxton Lynch on season two of quarterbacks would be sick. And probably the European Football League, I'm guessing. Is there a Brazilian <laughs> Football League out there? That also a name I forgot to mention, Geno Smith. That'd be fun. Only if he gets punched in the face again. <laughs> and don't forget Which... who was on the Geno Smith bandwagon before any you of our motherfuckers. Yeah, I That's thought you true. were. I oh, thought you were. Yeah. I thought you were uh, head up your ass on that, but. <laughs> Mm-hmm. showed me up god damn i think it. maybe we go like all backups this season maybe we go like chad henny <laughs> we go henny retired uh, did he officially retire he's yeah. not coming back yeah he retired at the super bowl yeah fair enough we go like andy dalton in carolina and just see him burn in the sun brian hoyer <laughs> brian hoyer and then uh i think just for the shits and giggles pax and lynch gets brought back to the league <laughs> I was sure you were going to bring up Bailey Zappi, but I'm glad we haven't gotten there yet. I said quarterbacks that do have things to prove. He's already proven himself a legitimate, <laughs> legitimate NFL uh, all-pro quarterback because he had better stats than fucking Tyler Huntley. You mean pro bowl, not all-pro. Is there a difference? 
Not when it comes to Bailey Zappi, there's not. <laughs> the spotlight is bright. We're going to, we'll probably come back to some of those names here in a little bit. But before we get there, we are going to talk about some of them baseball things. And it, you know what? I mean, uh, initially it was, uh, I just remember last year at about this time talking about baseball and, uh, McChesney was about to jump down my throat every fucking time. And he was just like, oh, my God, oh, fuck. Oh, God, the Red Sox are going to suck. And, well, you know, hey, they're fourth in uh, their division currently. And, uh, and they sucked last year. I was right to oh, be yeah, trading it last year. Them too, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, but we're going to go ahead and talk about baseball now. Because um, even though it's not exactly the same bane of McChesney's existence, I mean, he did go from yelling about the Red Sox sucking to wearing a, a Toronto hat. Hence an existential crisis, but we'll get to that probably throughout his talk. Uh, let's go ahead and talk about MLB season review to date. And we're just going to keep it to one of the topics we discussed earlier on. And I want to keep it with Shohei Otani. So earlier this week, uh, the uh, LA Angels said that they're going to keep him. Um, they're not, he's off the trade board, but his contract runs up. So boys, let's start with the dragon wrangler on this one. Shohei Otani, what uniform is he wearing at the start of next year? New York Yankees. There's not even doubt about it. Every time there's ever a generational talent, the Yankees are like, we'll give you $1 billion. $1 billion, Mr. Powers. He's like, oh, I'm going to wear pinstripes now because that's fucking cool. Nobody's done that since the 40s, you fuck. But anyway, um, no, he'll be a Yankee. There's not a doubt in my mind about that. And I think the Angels not trading him is one of the stupidest decisions in the history of sports. He is not coming back to L.A. He will not continue to be an Angel. You could have gotten a lot, an absolute, like, turn your organization around level lot for him. And now they're going to get absolutely nothing to win another 30 games this year and not make the playoffs or maybe make it into the final seed. Good job, guys. Good job. Way to, uh, you know, if you're not first, you're last. Way to be last in the scenario because you definitely won't be first. Hmm. We, we may come back to the Angels at the end of this talk, but the Mac, where do you see Shohei Otani landing next season? You know, uh, before uh, Jeremy uh, said the Yankees, and he said it for all the right reasons, the Yankees will just buy anything they want. It's not really an issue. Um, like a I European really thought soccer team. They're like a Premier League team. I thought the Dodgers were basically a locked and loaded pick uh, up until recently, when um, I think I saw a report that either Shohei doesn't want to be there, or something along those lines. Um, I really, I really agree with Jeremy. They really fumbled this bag, not only because they didn't like you know trade him. Uh, there were a lot of teams that would take him just for like a one year rental, like a team like the Seattle Mariners would have gave up a fuck ton just to have him for a year. And hey, maybe Shohei comes back because the Seattle Mariners have a huge following of Asian uh, of Asian fans. They absolutely do. It's rivaled by like maybe only the Red Sox. Um, well, but... I, I would disagree. San Francisco has a San very Francisco. large following. I mean, basically all of your West Coast teams have a very large um, like Asian and Filipino filipino following and when it comes to baseball too he would have been appreciated anywhere on that west coast and and in boston um unfortunately i i do agree with jeremy uh the yankees are just gonna be like oh here's a billion dollars and maybe a couple of prospects here you go um or do they'll just know, sign them right off the market 
But do do we know whether or not Shohei has a gambling addiction? Because if so, can I throw Vegas out as a wild card here? The Athletics, as a uh, as a former uh, truther, yeah, money to spend. Uh, I took I took my uh, truth serum in the form of Jepson's Malore off stream a couple of uh, months ago. He did. Um, fair, fair. Uh, they they are not doing anything. They are <laughs> they are uh, selling everything, uh, selling out and throwing down in Las Vegas, and that team will be nothing basically probably for the rest of my lifetime. They have no long term picture. Um, so I think the Yankees are probably a safe bet, although I do want to throw out uh, Seattle, San Francisco as underdog candidates. And hey, maybe the Dodgers are still in it because they do have just as much money as the Yankees do, and they love to throw it around. Yeah, yeah. As much as I want to say the Padres because there were those rumors, it's it's going to be a money thing at this point. I think after this season, uh, we're going to see a lot of yelling at that front office to build up that farm system and just wait out all these contracts. (laughs) (laughs) Something like that. Um, But I think it goes a little bit deeper than money for Otani just because of the numbers that were allegedly thrown around by the angels to keep him around that he turned down. Um, I like the Seattle argument, to be honest. They're an up-and-coming team. They're very young, They, which means they haven't taken up as much cap space as a lot of other teams in the bigs. Well, even though there's not – it's a soft cap. It's the luxury tax. But still, that franchise could really benefit from having him. Um, other franchises that I think of – this is going to sound pretty wild, uh, so go ahead and crucify all you want. Cincinnati. I'm going to throw them out here just because he wants to win. And this is a team in a very winnable division that's currently second, I believe, behind the Brewers that you throw Shohei Otani in there, he's going to get you over that hump, get you that division title, and get you into the playoffs consistently in kind of an easy division to win. So that's where I could see him landing if winning is his biggest priority. Can if we're going along those lines, can we also then throw out the other team you just mentioned there, the Milwaukee Brewers, for one really solid reason here? Beer. So yeah. So well, no, not beer. Uh, I don't know if Japanese people love beer or not. I think they drink sake. But my point being is, if you've ever seen American Ninja Warrior, it's basically there's a big giant slide, and guess what they have in Milwaukee? A giant slide. So. Mm-hmm. It checks out that Shohei could be like, "Hey guys, they got a slide. I'm going there." Just you know, it's the it's the way of his people. I really hope that I really hope that winning is in his is higher in his priorities than money. Selfishly, Bro, obviously, you, you could as, win, but have you ever slid down a giant slide? Come on, that's what that I, I really hope that it's just like you know the money thing isn't going to you know make him choose the Yankees over the Reds. Like if the Reds are within ten million dollars of an offer. Uh, I hope he takes it selfishly. I hope he does as much as I am very much pro player. Go get your bag. I'm sure you guys saw my text about Tua's little brother turning down the <laughs> NIL money. Yeah. Like jackass. But um, yeah, um, I really hope that Stokes is right. And uh, he does prioritize winning a little bit more and seeing the Reds win a world series would be like the coolest thing. It would. The only thing that gives me pause is their ownership. Which is the the other team that I thought of was the O's, the Baltimore Orioles, just because oh, of the season that, that they're. Me. I, I I know same division, still hate them, but they have had an incredible year. Really young team, but it's the same thing with 
those guys too is their owners don't know their head from their ass unfortunately right now half of them want to sell and go to tennessee the other half want to like re-renovate their stadium for the 15th time this season and it's just all over if they the ever renovate or move from camden if they move from camden yards the orioles should be just like sold immediately that's like if they ever move from Cannon Yards, they'll also add a franchise, like an expansion franchise the next year back in Baltimore because it's the sickest stadium in all of baseball. Mm-hmm. Like, Cannon yep. Yards is the coolest stadium there is. Can't confirm, um, yeah. And I would actually go the opposite way and say, you know who hasn't had a giant free agent signing recently who I'd throw into the mix here, the Tampa Bay Rays, who have the shittiest stadium in baseball. <laughs> Another team that could very likely move to Nashville. Yeah. Tropicana Field, baby. (laughs) Montreal, yeah. We're bringing back the Expos, baby. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. You heard it here first. You heard it here first. 2024, Shohei Otani, Montreal Expo from the back. (laughs) (laughs) Somebody make that a graphic and a quote. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. There are people in Montreal that are like, okay. I, Wait, represent the, uh, I, re- I represent the I uh, represent the the French Canadian uh, population here uh, <laughs> with a Toronto hat sure. on. Yeah, sure got a lot of show. Hey, it's here. a it's a solid quarter of my blood that uh, that pasty French Canadian, uh, red beard, doesn't take showers, refuses to speak English. It's all part of my DNA. So and right, and Hosier hates me for it as an Ontario Ontarioan. Mm. Ontario right? Yes. Ontarian. Ontarian. So let's say that the Angels, and this will be the last topic before the break. Uh, let's say the Angels don't lose their fucking minds and are like, huh, we probably should trade Shohei and get something for him before he leaves. Um, who who do you think would have succeeded in a trade and what would they have given up? Uh, Jeremy, you go first. <laughs> Sure, I'd be happy to. Um, I think the Rays could still trade for him and they just trade Tropicana Field because uh, <laughs> that's got to be worth at least, I don't know, like a million dollars, maybe a million five if like the plumbing's working that day. Uh, so that's a pretty solid deal because then you have two stadiums and when you're on the East Coast, you can, you know, if you have like a long East Coast trip, you're like, oh, we can just still play home games. Now we have our second stadium. Tropicana uh, Angel Field East. Um, I think another solid option is uh, Bryce Harper because people in Philly have kind of just forgotten that baseball exists. And so you could be like, hey, bros, we're going to be a big deal. And uh, here's Bryce Harper in return. He's got a cool beard. He'll do like the hippie uh, West Coast quinoa thing. And, you know, his beard will make him look like every other smelly hippie in Anaheim. So enjoy uh, watching Ducks hockey. And I uh, enjoy being out West. Quack, quack, Bryce Harper, even though they just made the World Series last year. But yeah, the Philly really didn't care when we were there earlier this year. The Mac, what do you got for what, who would give up what to get Shohei? Um, so I think the initial price that I heard on the radio uh, when the Boston Sports Media was talking about it was um, the Angels wanted uh, some mixture of two two like you know good players and two or three good prospects or some combination of the of the two there's not a whole lot of teams that have that deep of a farm system um the red sox do but they collect prospects like their pokemon gotta catch them all um so it's 
it's really tough to market a trade like that for somebody so huge. Um, I think, I think the Dodgers were probably one of the best bets to get it done. Maybe the Rangers before they just went and got Scherzer. Uh, yeah, that's who I was gonna say. Uh, yeah, it's just a lot of teams. I think a lot of teams would have been interested to throw that, throw something at that, just for a one-year rental. Something like the Mariners, who could use that that strong push to uh, lift them up from the AL West. But that's only tough because the Angels also reside in that division. Um, so yeah, I think yes. the Rangers would would be a solid pick, or the Yankees, or the Dodgers. Those are probably the three that have the combination of good players that they can move. Plus some prospects that maybe they can um, they can convince the Angels of, uh, but I I really think the Angels' head is so far up their ass that they are actually going to try to buy in this year, being like five games behind the wild card, and think that they can like somehow resurrect this season with uh, Mike Trout injured and Shohei Otani probably one hard swing of the bat away from throwing out his back from carrying this goddamn trash dumpster of a fucking team, but. <laughs> That's pretty balls on dead accurate there. The only other team that somebody I'm... has to have the, the you know the intensity because Ryan decided to that Barbie was more important than us. Um, hey. to be fair, it's a pretty great movie. I haven't seen it yet. You need to. It's amazing. I'll, I will pirate. I'll pirate it. <laughs> uh, I'm just waiting for sure. a time when Lindsay and I can go and do the Barbenheimer double feature because I feel like that's a piece of Americana that you only get one chance at. So. I went opening weekends out to Oppenheimer. I'm like, imagine if I did this double feature. I couldn't be around people for that long. After the Oppenheimer movie, I'm like, okay, I am done being That's around fair. strangers. Get me out of here. It's too <laughs> dirty. Those. I'm starting to breathe in more CO2 from other people than oxygen. Get me out of here. I'm ready for fresh air and to go home. I couldn't do two movies in one day with theaters that packed. Nice. The only other team I'm going to throw into this is uh, the Houston Trashdros as a contender just because they are second in their division right now but they're within striking distance and they're a team that has had success i think that they would be very attractive for someone like otani too when it hits free agency i just don't think they have the cojones or resources to really sign him but i could see them in a trade giving up a lot to get Otani because their roster is getting older and older now. They're not the young buck kids that they used to be, and it's showing on the field too. It makes sense. I mean, you know, Shohei probably doesn't know what Ponzi schemes are, and, you know, Enron Field is, you know, Minime ballpark into something <laughs> yeah. else. So he's not going to fall into this Ponzi scheme trap. So, I mean, the logic's there. I, I can follow that. Oh, man, smartest guys in the room, Enron. <laughs> And with that, because goddamn did not have Enron on my fucking plastered bingo card. Hope you did, uh, because you can mark off that spot. We're going to take a quick break. Uh, but when we come back, we're getting into our Dospu topic of the week. We're going to be talking more about them foodie hoops, or as you might know it, the National Football League. You're listening to Plaster Negotiations, where none of the debates are legally binding. Coming up, the gang runs through our Dust Boot Topic of the Week. So keep it here on Plaster Negotiations. All right, welcome back to Plaster Negotiations, where none of the debates are legally binding. And now let's get into our Dust Boot Topic of the Week. McChesney's favorite, the National Foosball League. I don't know. NASCAR has been kind of been kind of pushing it. I've had a lot of fun uh, this year with with the uh, with the NASCARs. The NASCARs can be a lot of fun. 
they can be a lot of fun. Uh, we're not we're not talking about them now, unfortunately. Next time. Next, yeah, <laughs> next time. Yeah, we could talk about them because about that time it'll be uh, playoffs and stuff. Or so. we can uh, take over uh, Big Zone El Cabra for for an yeah. episode. <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll do something. Maybe just do a Sobs NASCAR edition. But anyways. Before we get to that point, let's talk about them footy hoops. Instead of going month by month, division by division, God only knows how we did it before of it's determining early for uh, something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but what we're going to do, we're going to go through uh, who we think the NFC and AFC championship teams are the surprise team per league and way too early Super Bowl predictions. We'll throw in an MVP for the season as well. But to start with, let's go with uh, the AFC and NFC championship contenders. Dragon Wrangler, who do you got gunning for the Super Bowl this year? And go ahead and give us, excuse me, your Super Bowl team predictions off of that too, because it'll be obvious. Yeah. Um, you know, for me, I think the contenders are, are kind of the usual suspects in the AFC. I mean, I think as it's been for the past few years, the Bengals, the Bills, and the Chiefs are, are kind of the three teams to beat. Um, I like the Bengals, assuming they don't get fucked over by officiating for a third year in a row because they should have won the Super Bowl two years ago and they should have been in the Super Bowl last year. Um, I'd like the Bills over the Chiefs. I like the Chiefs to finish third and get knocked out before the AFC Championship this year. But for me, I mean, I think those two threes are those three teams are kind of a no-brainer. The NFC side, uh, I like the Niners. Um, Brock Purdy sounds like he's healthy or, or pretty close to it coming back, and they were a machine before he went down with that injury in the NFC Championship game. Now, obviously, he's a little bit unproven, but now you're talking about a full season with McCaffrey, right? I don't think there is a QB controversy there. I think it's Purdy's job to lose right now. You can say what you want about Trey Lance, but I, I truly think it's Purdy's job to lose. And the way they were playing with that defense with Brock Purdy when he was healthy last season, they're a tough team to beat. So for me, um, I think it's it's the Niners' division to lose. I think it's the Niners' conference to lose. And sure, the Eagles will still be good. They'll still be what they've been before. But you know, I, I think for me, it's just it's got to be the Niners. Gotta be the Niners. All right, the Mac, your AFC and NFC championship teams, and who is playing in that Super Bowl? So um, I think Jeremy really laid out the AFC really well. Uh, there are a lot of um, new, I think there are a lot of new contenders that kind of come into the fold as, um, you know, people, a lot of teams that can make a little bit of noise, like the Jets and Aaron Rodgers. If that works out, that could be another team in the AFC that really turns it up. Uh, the Broncos hired Sean Payton. That can be a team that uh, really comes up. It surprises a lot of people. Um, not a, I wouldn't say they're a contender yet. They play in a really tough division with the Chargers, who are always sneakily competitive despite uh, all the factors uh, within their own organization and exterior going against them with bullshit head coach and also bullshit officiating. Um, I think uh, in the AFC South, it's your typical... Uh, race to the bottom the jaguars are a little bit better but outside of that uh the titans they signed deandre hopkins as their key offseason move and he's whatever i think he's i think that's i think his career is going to die there in tennessee i think um, you could take the other three teams in the afc south and put an all-star team together and they'd still lose the jaguars this year i think and not because the jaguars so are good the other three teams are just that bad this year i think so too and in the afc north i think it's the bengals and 
the Ravens so long as Lamar can stay healthy because uh, if Lamar is healthy, that team, there's no reason that that team can't go the distance and compete with the best of them at the top. Uh, Lamar and the Ravens have proven to be able to beat all three of those teams in the regular season, just come the postseason, they're banged up, they're hurt. They had one of the worst training staffs in the NFL last year. They totally overhauled that this offseason. I expect the Ravens to compete for that division uh, even more so than they did last year. Not because the Bengals aren't good, but because the Ravens are finally at a level to where they can be thoroughly competitive. Uh, In the NFC, I love his Niners pick. Um, I also want to give a shout-out to the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, They have hired one of my favorite defensive coaches in the league in Brian Flores. Brian Flores knows how to make defenses overachieve. We saw it with the Steelers last year. That that talent wasn't really there, but they still ranked as like a top 10 unit on defense in most categories, if I'm not mistaken. Um, Mike Tomlin, you know, obviously he's going to will his team to nine wins, stay above 500. But Flores really put in the work that offseason, despite being blackballed by the entire NFL for reasons I won't get into. We all know the story there. Uh, so the Vikings, they do not deserve to be, uh, oh, well, they might finish like second place to the Lions. The Lions have improved. They still need to, they, they, they've improved, but they still need to prove. Uh, the Packers, obviously, they take a bit of a step back with uh, no more Aaron Rodgers. It's a bit of a transition year. We'll see what they have with um, uh, Jordan Love. Uh, brain fart there. That's about uh, what anybody thinks of Jordan Love at this point. And the Bears are the Bears. They still suck. Um, I mean, now that Jared Goff understands that the you know the Earth goes around the Sun, the Sun doesn't go around the Earth. I mean, that's you know by itself why he's been a resurgent quarterback. But. And I do also want to uh, put a feeler out there for uh, three teams in the NFC East. I think the Cowboys are really good. The Eagles are still really good, and the Giants with a second year under Brian Dayball, Daniel Jones could prove that he's worth that forty million dollars. Uh, but I think my favorite is probably the Niners too. And in the AFC. Um, I'm gonna throw out, I'm gonna throw out my sleeper already. Um, I think the Miami Dolphins could very well go all the way to the Super Bowl so long as Tua stays healthy. That offense was the best in the league when Tua was healthy, and it wasn't even close. If he can just stay away from getting you know concussed, taking some really bad hits, the 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 Dolphins' offensive line improved drastically this offseason. Those weapons are still there. Uh, I think Miami could very well win this division off of their own talent and i think the bills are overdue for a step back so give me the dolphins and the niners in the super bowl and as a really early prediction give me give me the niners i think shanahan will probably outcoach mike mcdaniel um mike mcdaniel still young still gotta learn you gotta learn how to lose before you learn how to win that's a that's a huge thing and the dolphins are good they'll be competitive but sometimes the better coach wins Mm. so give me the niners in that one but i think the dolphins you guys can't sleep on them that's a good hot take. That's a good hot take. Not that Stokes didn't have a preview of it earlier today. <laughs> I yeah, I ha- I heard most of that pre yeah yeah, and I rubbed off on you a little bit with some of my picks for this. Um, so championship contenders. Let's start in the NFC. Um, I see the Vikings in the position that Green Bay has been in forever. You have a cupcake division. Walk into the playoffs healthy. That has been Green Bay's bread and butter just to lose very early on. But I don't think the Vikings will. I think last year's loss is going to sit pretty badly in people's psyches. I think Kirk Cousins, even though he's a year older, I think it's a year wiser, not a year less athletic, less accurate. 
think he's going to do everything he needs to do. I'm going to take the Vikings as a one of the NFC contenders. Um, the other one I got is, hey, uh, they're fucking good, man. The Eagles. Fly, Eagles, fly. I see them getting back to the NFC title game as well. However, I see the Vikings coming out of that one. Just because- I'll tell you what, our, our mutual friend Travis would go insane. Yeah, I, I hope he is. <laughs> that a Packers what, owner said that the Vikings are going to go. The Vikings, I just feel like, have lost a lot, man. Thielen's in Carolina now, who's a solid number two receiving option there for forever. And then Dalvin Cook's on his way out, too. He's still trying to get traded. Cook is so much of that offense. Yeah, but you I got also, Justin Jefferson, but mm-hmm. dude, that's two big weapons to lose right there. But I also want to say they've they've supplemented uh, their losses adequately with Jordan Addison. So long as he doesn't turn into Henry Ruggs 2.0 with that 140 down up. <laughs> Down at 50 <laughs> and uh, Alexander Madison, uh, quietly just as efficient as Dalvin Cook, maybe not as explosive, but quietly just as efficient. And I think the NFL of today, uh, is part of the huge there's a huge battle going on, obviously, between NFL owners and running backs as to as it pertains to their worth. But as a, as a science as it is, Alexander Madison, uh, efficiently has been just as good as Dalvin Cook, he, he can supplement that offense. And I'm sure that Minnesota has a couple other backs that I'm forgetting to mention that also play a huge role. Uh, so I think, I think the Vikings. Problems. It's not like Madison hasn't had his shots too. Like you are right. So there. I think the the Vikings. All they need to do is improve that defense. Uh, yep. They were in. Uh, I think in nine of their wins was by seven points or less, and they had to do it in a comeback in the fourth quarter. Like that team defied all logic, and they still were one of the best teams in the NFC last year before falling flat their face against the Giants. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I do think the Vikings, they, they're being disrespected right now. I think a lot of people are riding the high on the lions after they, uh, bounced Aaron Rodgers from the playoffs that, uh, fateful Sunday night. Yeah. Um, but the lions will be good. They will compete, but I think it's the Vikings division to lose. The Vikings just are not the Vikings. The, uh, the lions just really got hot during one stretch of last season. I mean, let's put it in perspective. They were one of the worst teams in football for the first half of the season. They really yeah. turned it up. I want to give them all the credit for it. And they've improved that offense drastically this offseason. They've added a lot of players that I like. Um, I just don't. They're, they're just not ready. They're the Lions. They're, not ready. they're the yeah. Lions. Yeah. And they still don't have any idea what they're doing when it comes to drafting. Like Jameer Gibbs, where they took him, is just asinine. You're and they would have taken him at six. And years. they would have taken him at six. Yeah, which is, uh, I think it was bad enough that B. John Robinson went to the Falcons at eight, but Jameer Gibbs at 12 blows my mind even harder. At least B. John can play receiver, he can catch it. He's kind of a McCaffrey type, and that he's like dual threat, he's multiversal. Jameer Gibbs is not. Jameer Gibbs is a running back, that is his game. I'm glad that I went through my <laughs> NFC one and that got you guys all excited because I think the AFC one is a little bit more wild. We'll get to that. <laughs> Um, I think I know who you're going with, but I'm not going to say anything. Yeah, you know, one of them. Uh, but let's get the easy one out of the way. Uh, Joe Cool makes it back to the AFC championship game with the Bengals. Uh, and the one that I think might stir up some conversation because I am buying into the new world order that is going on out there. Uh, give me the Denver Broncos in the AFC championship game. I think they turn it the fuck around for a lot of similar reasons to the Vikings. The Chargers, they just re-signed 
Herbert, what happens after a quarterback gets re-signed to a long-term deal? Yeah, the next year don't look so hot, does it? I think they're going to fall flat. I think Kansas City is... uh, They're coming off of a high. I think there's going to be a hangover. I think there might be an injury or two in the future. I don't wish it on anybody, but I think there's going to be some big-name injuries early on for the Chiefs. And it's the Raiders, so we move on. Give me the sure. Broncos coming out. Listen, um, I I love that Broncos take. Uh, I think a lot of the I don't think Russell Wilson one is as washed up as he looked last year. I think that had a lot to do with Nathaniel Hackett just not being able to coach uh, all by himself. I think he'll be fine in New York when he has you know some stuff to fall back on. Obviously, one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time in Aaron Rodgers. That defense. Still has a lot of players at Sertain. Love them. Uh, there are a couple of different players uh, that they got uh, for the pass rush and draft. Uh, my name, my, my mind's blanking on them. And that offense has plenty of tools. Javante Williams was a fantastic running back as a rookie before tearing both ligaments in his knees. Yeah. Um, and they do have a solid backup in uh, Samaje Piran. Uh, that wide receiver room is still great between Tim Patrick, Cortland Sutton, Jerry mm-hmm. Judy. And they have a really solid tight end room in Albert O. Uh, the offensive line, obviously, uh, can be hit or miss. But I think if Sean Payton still has the bit has the edge that he had in New Orleans at the end, um, that team is going to be a fantastic pick. I love that pick. Uh, if it's the Dolphins and the Broncos in the AFC title game, I think uh, me, and, me and Stokes will be uh, doing victory laps around here. <laughs> it, it would be incredible, I think. Um Although in the big match between Broncos and Vikings, I have the Vikings pulling it out in that one. That would be amazing. Incredible. That'd be an incredible season. It really drank so much chocolate milk that night. Oh my God. (laughs) All right, boys, bedtime at 1130. Let's go. Let's go. And just chugging milk. It's going to be. You just won the Super Bowl. What are you doing? I'm going to Legoland. Could I propose a, a selfish question uh, for the uh, for the panel? Please? The New England Patriots. How do we feel about them coming into 2023? Uh, do you feel like they've improved? Do you feel like there's a, a, a bit of a lull going on here where they're just going to get their eight or nine wins and tap out? Um, no, the best I'd quarterback to... in the league is on the bench for them. They'll get four wins. I'd love to hear you guys' take on the, uh, on the Patriots as uh, my background. Over here. I think Dragon. (laughs) (laughs) He said four wins because Zappy is benched. Do all four of those wins come at the end of the season when they put him in to see if he's worth it? Yes. (laughs) 0 13 and then 4 0. He'll be the hottest (laughs) team down the stretch when they're scoring 78 points a game. So then they won't be able to draft Caleb Williams, but it won't matter at that point. No, they've got their quarterback of the future, though. If Desmond Ritter can get in for four games to see if he's the quarterback of the future, Bailey Zappi can definitely get in for four games to be the quarterback of the future. So my take on the Pats, they're either going to finish second in the division or fourth. It's, yeah, it's it's one or the other. It's I don't see them. I, I don't think that they're good enough to get past the Bills. Um, I don't think that they're able to fully healthy match up with the dolphins as you alluded to earlier caleb 
But I also think that the Dolphins are way too injury prone across the board. You'd throw Tua out. There's still players on that roster who have had some pretty gnarly injuries. That catches up with you at some point. And I think the Jets, they're either going to take off and challenge Buffalo for the division or they're going to tank. They're going to go to their own dark room, if you will. Matt Jones is also just the worst quarterback in that division by a wide margin. Like it's not even like he's not even a close fourth to whoever's in third out of the other three guys in that division, which is probably Tua realistically. Um, But he's not even close to Tua in my eyes. I think that Bill Belichick is – well, I don't – this isn't a thought. It's a a fact. Bill Belichick is smart, smart as shit. He saw what happened last year when you had a bum basically come off of the streets of Detroit and run the offense. It didn't work out so well. But I I also think that with O'Brien coming in, he's going to see what's going on and say – you know what, Mac? Maybe we've been asking a little too much of you. Maybe we're going to take more well, of a Tennessee Titans approach and let you be more of a game manager. And correct me if I'm wrong, too, but wasn't O'Brien his coordinator at Alabama? No, no, there wasn't. There wasn't an overlap there as far as seasons go. O'Brien was hired the spring. Mac was getting ready for the draft. So yes. after they had won the title, uh, the title uh, game, uh, the Dolphins—not the Dolphins, the. Uh, the Crimson Tide lost their OC and O'Brien came in and Mac and Bill O'Brien like chatted up because, you know, Mac wanted to set Bill O'Brien up for success when he left and uh, you know, telling him about players, telling him about stuff they like, stuff they don't like. And then Mac went off to the draft. So they have a little bit of a rapport, but like not like they were in, in game together. This will be the first time that they that they really get to work together like that. But I think it's the right move. It really is, because the more that we see of Mac Jones, the more that we're not seeing a Peyton Manning type, we're seeing a need for him to be more and more of a game manager type. And there's nothing wrong with that. Drew Brees is one of the best game managers that you're ever going to find. I would argue that Tom Brady, for a lot of his early career, was a game manager as well. Kirk Cousins is a game manager disguised as somebody who's more than that. You're 100% right. Yeah. And I think that there's been a lot of expectation put on Mac Jones, especially being brought into the Robert Kraft inner circle as quickly as he was too. That comes with a lot of pressure as well. Dial back the playbook, let him have a chance, let him not necessarily win you a game, but not lose it. I think you're going to see a very different Patriots team. But But I'd I'd argue that's what they did his first year, though. Like his first year, he wasn't throwing the ball more than 10 yards down the field. Year two, they Mm -hmm. try to open it up, and they have such a regression. Uh, Mm -hmm. You can go back to year one if you want, but they weren't a good team year one. They were mediocre at best. But they were better within their division. I'll give you that. But part of their division, but their division was also weaker. The Dolphins didn't have Tyreek Hill. The Jets, I mean, obviously the Jets. the Jets are the Jets now, right? But they didn't have Sala doing Sala things just yet. And but, uh, the Bills are the Bills, but yeah. I'll, I'll rip through my take real quick because uh, I wanted to have a dialogue here and then I'll I'll give off what I think. I think uh, that Mac Jones did get – he had an unfair hand given to him by Belichick. I think Belichick is smart. 
but he's also very egotistical my way or the highway shut up and do whatever i say i'm going to do things the way i want to and i think if Kraft didn't like twist belichick's arm matt patricia would still be calling plays joe judge would still be the quarterback coach Kraft had to step in and be like hey you saw how bad that was matt patricia doesn't know his foot from his ass we we can't do that again with our quarterback on a rookie deal that we are supposed to be taking advantage of. And Mac Jones's biggest, biggest attribute is his brain, his ability to read the field, know what's coming, being able to utilize that knowledge and put it to work in a sense. Like Mac will never be Patrick Mahomes throwing sideways upside down. He'll, he'll barely be, you know, Tom Brady in his later career pushing the ball down the field. Yeah, I mean, his Kirk arm Cousins strength... is who you can aspire to. Like he, the biggest comparison you can give is someday he might be Kirk Cousins. And Kirk Cousins is perfectly capable capable of winning a Super Bowl in the right in the right environment. Oh, 100 percent. I think Bill O'Brien is a huge upgrade. He has a real offensive coach. It's his third one in three years, which is obviously a red flag. No quarterback ever wants to do that. But it's a fresh start. As much as I hate that we have to give him a fresh start in his third year. For God's sakes. Uh, and the talent still isn't there. So I think the Patriots' biggest downfall is they just don't have the talent to support Mac Jones. They might have a real coach now, but the quarterback can't exactly elevate that offense to levels that they're not supposed to be like Tom Brady did back in the day because Tom Brady was just that but that much more of a, uh, of a player. Well, one um, other Mac aspect Jones, that I didn't touch on was the defense. The defense is fantastic. The defense is still incredible. We invested in that early and often in the draft. We got Christian Gonzalez, who was the best corner in college football last year. I will not hear an argument on that. Uh, Keon White is a fantastic defensive lineman. Big, strong, fast, angry. He is going to stuff the run and beat up on some of those uh, quarterbacks in the the AFC East. But, Jeremy, at the end of the day, you're right. Uh, Mac Jones is the fourth best quarterback in that division. Uh, maybe we don't see the gap as far between Tua and Mac, but there's a gap. And Tua certainly built that up after having a borderline MVP campaign before, you know, missing, you know, six games. Tua, if he played all 16, could have very well been the MVP of the league with how well he was playing. And just to um, clarify, you said fourth and not fifth, right? <laughs> I said fourth. Yeah. Okay. Um, Agree to disagree is fun. But I think. The Patriots need some need some breaks to be in the playoff. I think I think eight and nine, nine and eight is their max. But all I'm looking for is for Mac Jones to prove that he is capable. He can be that that, you know, top sixteen quarterback who can kind of push the top ten every now and again and be a factor when all the older guys retire like Rogers and Kirk. Uh Oh, I'll insert other old guys here that are on the way out. Russell Wilson, guys like that who are getting older. We need a new wave of quarterbacks to take over. And I think Mac Jones in his first year, as much as the team wasn't fantastic, he was he proved capable. He was more than capable of running an NFL offense with some talent around him and getting the job done. He got some wins, some big ones. He went toe-to-toe with Tom Brady in the biggest NFL regular season game of all time in 2021. I debatably outplayed him. Um, I think this, I think Mac Jones is more than capable, and that's all I'm looking for is for us to see if we have a quarterback of the future or if we're drafting. Ultimately, the win-loss record won't mean a whole lot if our division is just that damn good. But so Zach, so Zach Wilson's on season two quarterback. Sounds good. But uh, at the end of the day, this team just – I don't know if it could keep up with the talent the rest of the division. I think it's the best division in football. 
And I will say that confidently that uh, it is the best division in football. Maybe not in the sense that every team can win it, but that uh, the top three teams are just incredible. And the Patriots, sneaky defense, and you can never you can never disrespect Bill Belichick's knowledge for the game. So if we go, if it's a disaster, we have a losing season, I will be calling for Belichick's head. Mm. And that's where, that's where I'll leave it. And that's where we'll leave that. So the last two bits wanted to get through with this segment were the surprise team we'll just do it for the nfl and let's go with the nfl overall mvp who we think it's going to be i'll start with this one surprise team for across the nfl for me already said them denver broncos baby i think that it's going to be such a huge change out in denver i think we'll see it almost immediately start to take over, especially with some of the things that we're hearing out of their training camp about how some of these players are like, what's a football? And then they're like, oh, that's a football. And then they get paid millions of dollars. It's fantastic. Season MVP, I think it's going to be Joku. Joku. Dragon Wrangler, what do you got for... um, your surprise team and your MVP. So MVP, I have to agree with you. It's one of two guys for me. It's well, and I guess Mahomes is always in the conversation, but it's either Joe Burrow or Josh Allen. Um, and the reason I say it might or might not be Josh Allen is I think that it's a hundred percent dependent on Stefan Diggs. Um, you know, they say there's no issues. Stefan Diggs, the situation's figured out. He's not beefing with the team anymore. And if that's the case, I think Allen for me is the front runner over Burrow. Uh, but if there's even a little bit of issue there, if there's even a little bit of contract or anything that has Stefan Diggs not doing Stefan Diggs things, I think you have to go Burrow at that point. Surprise team for me, um, I don't think the Broncos will be that good this year. I love Sean Payton. I just don't think you change that broken of a culture in one year to where you're starting to win games. Um, for me, the surprise team is actually Sean Payton's old team, the New Orleans Saints. Um, they do have, (laughs) they do have some issues right now. That's still lingering. Michael Thomas injury, Alvin Kamara getting some trouble off the field, maybe suspended. Um, but at the end of the day, Derek Carr is a good NFL quarterback. Is he a great NFL quarterback? No, he never will be, but he is a massive upgrade from James Winston, Andy Dalton. And honestly, the NFC South is the weakest division in football. They, they just are. Baker Mayfraud running the Bucks is not a good team. <laughs> Somebody else is hopped on the Baker hate train. Mike. I uh, was I was so right. I was so uh, right. <laughs> you know, Bryce Young, first year with the Panthers. We'll see what happens. But I don't think the Panthers are a great team. Adam Thielen's now your number one receiving option, which I love Adam Thielen. I really do. I think he was a great number two in Minnesota. I think there's a reason they weren't the team they were when he was their number one option until Justin Jefferson came in. And then the Falcons are just a fucking shit show. And I said it last year too, but B. John Robinson's not winning them games. Uh, Desmond Ritter's not winning them games. The Falcons are just an absolute fucking train wreck. So how many weeks until we see Taylor Heineke in that, in that lineup? uh, As much as they've invested in Ritter at this point, I I think it's going to be a while. Um, I really do. I, I think the, Actually, let me rephrase that. It's dependent on how much success the Saints have early in the year. If the Saints have early season success and just fucking pull away in that division early, which I think they could very well do, then I think you see Ritter pretty much get ridden out through the year. If the Saints 
struggle early on and every team in that division eight weeks in is like two and six, three and five, which is also a very real possibility, even with Ritter. Um, then I think there's a chance you see Heineke like week eight, week nine, somewhere midway through when they're trying to make that playoff push late in the season, just because they're in such a bad division. All right, the Mac, I think we already heard your surprise team. No, so- I, I got I have backup. I got a backup. Oh, wait, no, wait. I went way too soon. Who is your MVP, Dragon Wrangler? I'm sorry. I said it's either Allen or Burr. Oh, that, that's right. If Diggs has shit going on or not. That's right. The whole Diggs argument. Sorry, my dog came in and he was fucking being weird. Uh, the Mac. What do I got to back up. All uh, right. Uh, so your surprise is probably New Orleans. You, tell us your backup and then your season MVP. Just so, uh, man, probably not expecting a Patriots fan to come out and say this, but whatever. I'm in the, I'm in the, I'm in the mood for surprises. I the Pittsburgh just... Steelers. Oh, nice. So baby obviously, Kenny so baby obviously, uh, Mike Tomlin uh, doesn't really have a losing record. Nine and eight. He was he was a one fortunate one unfortunate game away. Like if the Dolphins had lost to the Jets in Week 18, that Steelers team would have been in the playoffs. Um, obviously this is contingent on uh, Kenny Pickett having a big season too, but that team is super talented. Um, top to bottom, one of the best offensive lines of football. Najee Harris is a solid running back uh, for wide receivers. George Pickens is incredible. Deontay Johnson, although I think he got hurt today. I'm not sure what the diagnosis is on that. Um, Allen Robinson, solid number three option at this point in his career. He's a little bit older, but he's not going to carry the whole weight. Calvin Austin finally making his debut after, uh, being injured all of last year. That defense is obviously still top tier. I think the whole thing that this rides on is one, Kenny Pickett's development, and two, if Matt Canada could take his head out of his ass and call an offensive game. Um, I absolutely adore Pittsburgh as a city, too. So I kind of like that pick. I like that you said a big season for Kenny Pickett, who has such small hands. There's there's yin and yang there. He needs a a big step. Um, He doesn't even need to be like this crazy you know, MVP caliber season. He just needs to make strides, Um, you know, be a 4,000 yard passer, pass for 25 touchdowns, throw for less than 15 interceptions, something like that. Complete 60% of your passes. Take a lot of um, human growth hormone in your hands. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> um, my MVP, I am riding with the pack. Week. I'm riding with the pack. I'll say Joe Burrow. Uh, I'm not as high as on Josh Allen this year as you guys. I think he's, uh, his, I know I can't, I'm not a psychologist. I cannot dive into the psyche of uh, Josh Allen, but he's done a whole lot of doing this off season. And you know what they say about doing it makes your uh, legs a little tired. Um, and the whole thing with digs, I just, I question um, if he's starting to drink the Kool-Aid a little bit and maybe he needs a little bit of a humbling a little. And obviously I think the dolphins are, are, you know, I, I have them winning the AFC East. Um, uh, I just, I'm really anticipating a little bit of a drop off for Allen. Not a not like a career colossal changing season, but I think he's due for something that's gonna bring some turbulence and uh, make him really take a little bit of perspective heading into 2024. But who knows? I could just be hating on the Bills, like I always have, and I always hate the Bills. I never give them any credit. Um, but no, I think the Steelers are a solid, uh, a solid surprise team as much as Jeremy stole my original one. I'll, and... uh, yeah. I'll, I'll throw out a dark horse for you here, man. If the Dolphins do what you think the Dolphins are going to do this year, obviously he won't win it because he's not a quarterback, but it's because Tyreek Hill has a 2,000-yard season. He gets MVP votes. He won't win it, 
but he'll finish like third if the Dolphins and Waddle the are, this year. Him, him and Waddle are just game changers. Yeah. Incredible. But yeah, I think the Steelers are going to be in contention for wild card playoff position again. And they're going to be a team that nobody wants to play in the first round because they're just tough. Mm. Them Steelers. Them and Mike Tomlin is probably uh, coming into a career, a career defining year because he's gone six years without a playoff win at this point. Yeah. Have you guys noticed Tomlin's eyes on the sideline when he gets all kinds of, yeah, McChesney is. Yeah, he just, I mean, I, I do this for my mom all the time. She's a fucking Stillers fan, but you'll see, you know, Tomlin on the sideline. All of a sudden, he'll just. Yep. His eyes kind of pop out of his head a little bit. Yeah, they become like headlights. And like when they were wearing masks and such, you just saw eyes in a human, maybe. It was kind of crazy, but uh, if you never noticed that before, there you go. Enjoy that coming into the NFL season. We'll enjoy it as well, at least until the league starts talking about money when another player dies on the field. But we'll get to that topic later. After this break, we're going to get to a little bit of a different one, something that you all may remember called the Giuseppe's Tromboli Redo of the Week. Yeah. And yeah, we're going back to fucking Florida. We're going to wrap that up with our Alex Moran Player of the Week as well. You're listening to Plaster Negotiations. Stick around. Next up, we have our grand finale featuring the Giuseppe Stromboli Redo of the Week and the gang's nominations for this week's Alex Moran Player of the Week. Get a refill and join us for more Plaster Negotiations. And now it's time in honor of the phenomenal rebranding of a famous magic story out of the UK turned Italian-American bang noodle wielding and probably from New Jersey wizard. This is our Giuseppe Stromboli redo of the week. Yeah. Premise is simple. Give a scenario to the panel that happened in recent memory. The panel determines how they would change the execution of the play. Just saying, don't do it. Immediate loss, you doing the shots. As advertised before the break, we're going to Florida, y'all. Florida, a land of swamp ass, meth, and perpetual. Hey, y'all, watch this. Everywhere. It's magical. It's magical. They have Nazi flags at uh, uh, Disney now, so that's pretty fucked uh, up. Don't get me started. <laughs> I know. We're not going to go down that route today. But we are going to stick in the state earlier in July of 2023. A Florida bus driver made a routine stop along their route and didn't pick up a potential passenger. Wow, with that really weird uh, uh, illusion to politics, you got to be saying some fucked up stuff there, huh, Stosie? No, said passenger just happened to be a six-foot-long alligator. Ain't got no alligators on this here bus. Lamely enough, Florida's Fish and Wildlife Conservation Commission got the gator into a nearby wooded area. Boo, didn't let him on the bus. But the bus driver did stop and take pictures. So, you know, like give the gator some fucking royalties. Even though it's a modern day dragon, we're going to start with the dragon wrangler on this. You are the gator, or you could take us into the mind of the gator. Uh, where was this gator going and how will you ensure that uh, this gator's ass gets to where it's going? 
Yeah. Uh, so for me, there's only one place that makes sense for where this Gator would be going in Florida, and that's obviously the Gasparilla Festival in Tampa, Florida, which for those who aren't familiar is basically a giant pirate festival where you get hammered drunk, dressed like a pirate, and I assume bang other pirate-dressed people. <laughs> um, why, you ask? I think it's a very simple reason. If you know one thing about alligators is that you know that they love to party, and where else can you do that in Florida better than Gasparilla Fest? Um, how does he get there? Well, I think there's a very simple solution for that as well. He builds a fucking pirate ship. So I don't know where this was in Florida. Hopefully this has to sail up the West coast of it, but this is on the East coast. This is where it gets tricky. <laughs> He's got to circumnavigate and go through the Panama canal, which is his own issue altogether. But the answer is build a pirate ship, sail to Gasparilla fest, drink all the alcohol, bang all the women, because now you're the coolest gator at this festival, having brought a real life pirate ship to Gasparilla fest. This happened like just North of Tampa. All right. So that makes it way simpler. This boat doesn't even have to go that far. Going to take this boat to Tampa somehow. McChesney, where are you going and how are you getting there? Mr. Gator. So, uh, there is another place that I think gators really belong. And, um, and I think this gator, uh, desired for more in life than just being your standard average crystal meth gator. Um, and sometimes maybe a Nazi, who knows? As we um, should all aspire to not be. Right. Um, I think that this gator was heading to the University of Florida. I think he was going down to the swamp. You know, he heard that they were, that they were doing auditions for that huge documentary that HBO is doing. Um, for that urban buyer Florida team that just had so many issues. So uh, they needed a real life gator to come out to the field and take some shots audition. And I think that's how we're going to sell it. And you know that those stupid Floridians love their uh, lived in gators. Head in swamp, you know? Uh, so yeah, I think that's where he was headed. And I think uh, he's uh, aiming for that audition to be the Florida gator for this new documentary that I'm really looking forward to watching. Yeah, so how are you getting your gator ass up there? Well, obviously, you know, gators and people in Florida are one and the same, so you just put on a t-shirt and a hat, <laughs> and you hop on this bus. Oh, who are you? Oh, I am just a, your typical Florida Gators fan. And my name will, is uh, my name on. is my name is Al T. Gator. Al T. Gator, yeah. I changed it after I graduated. <laughs> Al T Gator. And, and it would be great if the alligator is wearing a shirt and instead of the gator dressed up in the F, it's just some random frat bro in an F shirt that's just like pissed <laughs> off of his mind on Four Loco. I think that is very fitting for Gainesville. I kind of weirdly see him being like a hipster gator where he's wearing a shirt and it says like not a crocodile, ironically, because it's actually true. <laughs> And he's got a fedora in this scenario because, you know, fucking hipsters are stupid. So what do uh, hipsters and Kid Rock have in common? Fedoras. Think about that one for a minute. Oh, God, you put Kid Rock in my brain. Thanks for that. <laughs> I was having a good day up until this point. Hey, nobody going <laughs> to tell you how to live. Now I got to go listen to Creed just to fix it. <laughs> oh, Demon <yeah>. be gone. <laughs> oh, they could take Kid Rock higher. Don't you worry about that. Let's go down. <laughs> oh, there's some cars. Dave, come on. Oh, I thought you were going to continue, damn it. Sorry. 
Oh. I was already off thinking about the Marlins uh, Scott Stapp song that Jeremy introduced me to. <laughs> oh yeah, Home that we put that we actually that we actually practice. put into a pla- uh, a Plaster Negotiations episode. We oh, did. Yes, we did. I did. It should be in every episode for what it's worth. <laughs> Goddamn Come copyright on, bastards. Marlins, let's go fly. Because nothing says fly like a Marlin, which you know swims in the sea <laughs> and flies out of the water. <laughs> It, it does. It does. It's not untrue. It's not untrue. They have a statue that does that when you hit home runs. So I want to go to the Marlins Park, but I just don't want to go to Florida. Yeah, that's fair. Radioactive highways, meth gators. What more could you want? Meth gators. That's actually where my gator's going is to get more crystal meth. <laughs> okay, Benner. So why does it even need to get on a bus then? It's Florida. It can get on any house on any corner. Well, he, he's a bougie gator. His <laughs> dude lives across town, man. Oh, you're, talking like... Alan, you're talking to Alan T. Gator. Okay. It's the yes. version. <laughs> the bougie meth gator. Yes. Yeah. I mean, he, he just, he goes. <laughs> he's not looking for your run-of-the-mill bullshit. Oh, look at me. I got Sudafed and a trailer that didn't blow up. Bullshit. He's looking for some real Walter White. I am the danger. He is looking for that in his life. So he is going to Florida's version of Walter White, who will just say his name is also Walter White uh, because he probably survived. He's out in Florida. He's making all of this tasty tasty meth for this gator now how does the gator get there um when one form of mass transportation fails go to another uh he's stealing a kid's bike just i just imagine that scenario where this gator is just riding a bike just humming mm-hmm, gonna go see my friend walter get some of that taste of meth What's uh, what's he putting on his feet to reach the pedals? Gators have very short and stubby limbs. Stilts. <laughs> or those little like Solid uh, plan. or those Solid plan. those little uh, dog poop grabber things, and he just like grabs them <laughs> with his feet because I assume they're good with them. You know, why wouldn't they be? You know, hey, when you need meth, you will go to whatever extreme you need to go to to make this fucking happen. And that's where he's going. He's going to go see his, his friends, Walter and Jesse. Jesse's going to be like, yo, Gator bitch. And, and then they'll make a series about it in Florida. And that'll be that. So with that, come to the end of Giuseppe. Oh, no. But we're coming into our Alex Moran player of the week or month or time, time frame, whatever you want to use here. We'll stick with week, because that's what we had it as before. But each episode, we ask our panelists to find what we call the Alex Moran Player of the Week. What we're looking for is simple. An individual who wants to live their best life, the true backup life. All of the glory, none of the work. We're going to start off with the Mac on this one, Caleb McChesney. Who is your Alex Moran Player of the Week? So just under an hour ago, a Super Bowl champion retired. Um, well, I did a lot of his damage here right behind me at Gillette Stadium from uh, 2018 to 2020. Uh, Sony Sony Michelle. Sony Michelle uh, retires with one Super Bowl. Uh, he gets a lot of credit for damn it for breaking a lot of rookie records, but 
let's just not uh, let's like not ignore the fact that Rex Burkhead could have done everything he did, and he didn't cost a first round pick. Uh, he was the lesser running back at Georgia, uh, coasted his way to a, a national championship behind that. Uh, he was uh, a mediocre piece of an offense in 2018 with the Patriots, and uh, he got paid, and that was it. He's like barely 29 years old, and uh, he calls it a career today. But he has a Super Bowl ring. That's more than many of us can say. Um, congrats, Sony. Uh, you uh, effectively wasted the Patriots' first-round pick. You were absolutely mediocre next or dog crap in your time here after your Super Bowl run. Um, have a nice tenure in the uh, retirement home, I guess. Please name your kid PlayStation 3. <laughs> <laughs> that would be wonderful. You know, my nickname for Sony Michelle is uh, Sony Maroney uh, after Lawrence Maroney because he also was a first round bust. But at least Lawrence Maroney has one redeemable quality to him. Can anybody guess it? He has a PlayStation uh, yes. 3? Uh, no. no. Uh, riding on the back of a moped driven by Marion Barber. He did that? <laughs> yeah, dude. When they were in Minnesota together, they uh, they would just ride that around is the, that is the together. That is the redeemable quality. That he is a Minnesota goddamn Golden Gopher. Even though who are going to be winning the there, Big like Ten this year. Ten. And I will not hear anything else. Not with all the shit going on with PJ Fleck right now or not. No, oh. you just it's not a toxic culture. He is just a great coach. No, no. You guys are just you guys are just trying to stop the rise of the Greek Gopher, Athian Kaliak Manus, before it starts. I get it. You guys are really jealous that you don't have the Greek Gopher on your team. It's fine, but you guys, you're gonna have to just deal with the Gophers, you know, run of destiny here, and while they win three straight national championships. And you, you know what? I bet he does have a PS3 too. So you know what? Screw you guys. That's multiple redeemable qualities. Why not? You know? that, that's the judge of a good character if you have antiquated gaming systems. Yeah, Jay. but you play the Dallas Cowboys, so we're going to repeal all that. Hey, you know what? You got to steal money wherever you can. <laughs> Jay, who you got for your Alex Moran Player of the Week? So uh, mine is a gentleman by the name of Bradley Rosner. Um, Mr. Rosner just decided to transfer to NC state. He's a wide receiver. Uh, and he's going to NC state for his eighth year of college football. So let me, let me give you the backup here. Uh, he started out at Cisco junior college in 2016 and had a injury red shirt that kept him out the entire year of 2016, uh, stayed at Cisco junior college in 2017. Once again, injury red shirt. Uh, he had a redshirt freshman year as a 20-year-old in 2018 at Cisco Junior College. I didn't even know you could be a redshirt freshman at junior college, but apparently you can. Uh, 2019 redshirt sophomore. 2020 set out COVID year with injuries. So not only was it a COVID year, he was also injured three times in five years at a junior college. So then 2021, redshirt junior at Rice. 2022, redshirt senior at Rice. 2023, bonus COVID year at NC State. So in eight years of college football, assuming he doesn't get injured again, he will have had five actual seasons. And there's a high percentage chance going from Rice to the ACC that he actually does get injured again. Uh, so Bradley Rosner, for being the real-life Van Wilder, you are my Alex Moran Player of the Week. He could also graduate transfer. <laughs> this is true. He could have a ninth year. Yeah, between the graduate transfer and what another injury year, 
we could talk about a decade at college football for this young man. I hope that happens. He's going to be 30 years old by the time he leaves. <laughs> he enrolled in 2016 in, in theory. So the season won't end until 2024. In theory, he's going to be at least 26 years old by the end of the year, if not 27. Oh, yeah. Brandon Whedon, anybody? Hell, yeah. <laughs> Let's go. Let's go. Okay, so mine is a bit of a stretch, but I read this story, and it was way too, like, you are a Oh, you're not going to pick the hobo from Delta Dental? No, but he gets honorable mention. Okay. Yeah, so last night um, was filming a Fisher Cats. I wish they gave us the footage for that so we could use it. Oh, I know. (laughs) I know. I wish I'd just recorded it on my phone, too. Uh, But uh, last night at Delta Dental, Fisher Cats were hosting the Yard Goats. And uh, at one point in the game, uh, one of the yard goats players is pointing at the pitch clock out in the outfield. And I kept thinking, oh man, I, I guess he's pointing out that the pitcher, you know, had gone past the pitch clock because that had happened a couple times during that game. Oops, call that refs. Oh well. But he was actually pointing to an individual who hopped a fence and was clearly homeless and was just sitting right next to the pitch clock watching the game. Like the entire stadium stopped and looked at this dude. Our center fielder went out and talked to him. In response, this homeless dude just picks up a truly and starts pounding it. Uh, so was it Stewart that went up and talked to him? Yeah, yeah, Stewart Baroa, MVB baby. Stewart Baroa, number, number seventeen, the greatest athlete in all of minor league sports. Stewart Baroa, he is the man. He is just the most personable individual ever. But Literally, my first my first weekend working cameras, he like walks up to me. He's like, "Hi, I'm Stewart." I'm like, "Okay, well, <laughs> yeah, this guy is awesome. I got a couple signed balls from him. He is the best. He is the best." Uh, but that that gets honorable mention. Homeless guy interrupting a minor league baseball game, although it was a first for me. Uh, yeah, I'll never mention. Uh, but it, it's honorable mention for a reason, and this is a bit of a, a stretch. Um, so do you guys know about jail in Europe? Yeah, it's like way better than the United States. Depends on the country. Uh, civilized, not like Eastern Bloc type oh, countries. Then yeah, what Caleb said. Yeah, so you know if you get arrested excuse me sent to jail out there it's it's actually kind of bougie if you will especially compared to our system you get access to not only playstation 3 but potentially 4 and 5 um <laughs> you get uh you know treated as a human you're not put into indentured servitude they you know like get you into programs to help you actually rehab uh it's kind and some of the cells are actually bigger than many of the apartments that are available here in the united states too also this may be a retirement plan of mine anyways i'm assuming this kid heard about jail in europe and confused it with jail in america we'll get to that in a second but uh have any of you guys heard about joe kraus joe kraus Sounds like a great German citizen, but no. Sounds like a Minnesota Viking safety from like the 60s. <laughs> well, Joe Kraus, uh, we can assume, uh, lives somewhere in Kansas for now before the big reveal. Uh, but he was arrested for calling in a bomb threat to the Kansas Jayhawks football facility uh, sometime during the summer. So coincidentally, in this part is unclear whether he is or 
was part of the actual J-Hook football program as a three-year walk-on offensive lineman appeared in two games in 2020 for the Jayhawks. So Krause, after calling in a fucking bomb threat to his own fucking facility, faces a minimum of two years and seven months in prison all the way up to close to 12 years in prison and a $300,000 fine was released on a $10,000 bail. And uh, during that bail hearing, the judge said, son, do you have a lawyer? And he said, nah, bro, but I plan to get one. (laughs) So Joe Krause for being this fucking stupid, calling in a goddamn bomb threat to your host facility who has let you be a college football player and a shitty offensive lineman walk on for the past three years. You are my Alex Moran player of the week. And the reason I mentioned all the jail stuff is I think he probably got confused and thought, yeah, I could go play PlayStation three instead of, I mean, playing someone else's epitome. That is the epitome of living the backup life is when you get yourself kicked off your own team uh, to go to jail and can never start again. That's that's about his backup. It's not as, as bad. Honestly. It's not as bad as that guy who, uh, you know, uh, what do you do? He was facing discipline from the U.S. military and then flew to South Korea and just like hopped over the DMZ to go to jail in North Korea. <laughs> yeah. To avoid punishment crazy. by United States uh, military for like destroying a helicopter or something. I forget what it was. I wanted to stick with athletics for this one. First one back. Had to do that. Had to do that. But yeah, calling in a bomb threat to your own place. Going into your senior season. Wow. Dumbass. And what's unclear to me is whether or not he's actually off the team yet. Because the stuff <laughs> I saw was kind of vague on that point. So, you know, who knows? If Urban it's Meyer was coach, you know? he, wouldn't even be, uh, he wouldn't even be charged. It's 2023, bro. Everybody works remote now. I just, I just play in remote. Yeah. Everybody works remote. And unfortunately, we got to stop working remote for now. But we thank you for joining us this week on the Plastic Negotiations. And again, nothing we said was legally binding. As always, 21 means 21. Designated driver, drink responsibly. And for fuck's sakes, be good people. Don't drive Subarus. On behalf of the Mac, Caleb McChesney, the Dragon Wrangler, Jeremy Phelps, the rest of our cast, not pictured here, but will be in the future. The Hosa, the Ryan Moore, the Big Zoe, Alonzo Maestas, Benner, whatever the fuck we're calling him. I guess his name's really Ryan Benner. And Cabra, Patrick Maestas. I've been Mike Stoach. Wait, hold on. You forgot one. Who? Cade. J. Edgar Cade, Wilemon Jr., the 15th. <laughs> you know what's bad when I'm the one that says, hey, you forgot Cade. <laughs> I Jazzle. did forget Cade. Good job. Good job. Well, I did invite him to the show like five minutes before. We went on. Come yeah. on, Cade. Be better. Be yeah, better. Things are His ghost yeah. is amongst us. His spirit is here. He's also physically here still, too. But, yeah, he's just that good. That's what that is. I don't know. I've called him out twice this episode. Let's see if he actually picks up on anything. He's probably not. But that's okay. And I'm still Mike Stoats, I think. I don't know. Maybe I'm Cade Wildman. Have a great month. We'll see you at the end of September. Hopefully it's a little bit cooler by then. Be awesome. Deuces! We appreciate you tuning in for this week's rendition of Plastered Negotiations. And again, nothing that was said was legally binding. 
We look forward to seeing you all again next week. Follow us on the social medias, and we'll talk to you soon.